G'day punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50. We are back in business. Nick Quinn and Shane Crawford. Crawford, it is so lovely to speak. I did not think that round two would come in mid-June. No, finally, which is very, very exciting. Can't wait for AFL footy to get underway. So uh, it's good to see you. Let's uh, let's try and find plenty of winners. Uh, I think watching a bit of football training is vital um, over the next couple of weeks just to get uh, an indication of energy levels, intensity levels, and just get a feel on what the teams are going to produce once they get out there. Now, what has the 1999 Brownlow medalist been doing the last couple of weeks? Oh, <laughs> Uh, homeschooling's not for me, I can tell you right now. I've got four boys. I've got twins that are eight. And uh, i tell you what, they just – they had it all over me. Like th- they would they would pretend to be online. I'd be sitting on the other side. And then they'd go, oh, we've got a five-minute break, Dad. Let's go jump on the trampoline. Yep, sure enough. And then my phone would buzz and the teacher would go, your son hasn't <laughs> logged in today. I'm like, what? So uh, those twins had it all over me. But the older ones, they're still at home at the moment. But the younger ones are finally back at school, thank the Lord. So it's been quite tough. <laughs> Do I dare ask what the twins were doing and looking at in that time they told you they were doing their schoolwork? Oh, goodness gracious me. God knows. I can't keep up with them. But uh, they got a dog um, in the last couple of weeks, so that's kept them uh, occupied and um, hopefully a little bit of discipline there to look after the dog and, and get themselves uh, hopefully back on track, get a bit of schooling in and hopefully an education and they can continue on with their life. <laughs> Your poor partner, as if having five kids wasn't enough, you've now got a dog as oh, well. please. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, I'll tell you what, the teachers earn their money. They really do, especially when it comes to the homeschooling side of things. You've got to entertain the kids. You've got to make sure you're interacting with all of them in your class. It's not an easy job. Not an easy job. I don't think there'd be an area worthy of a pay rise more than teachers when this goes back to full swing. Because Does that I mean think school fees are going to go up even more? Well, you pay an <laughs> arm and a leg, but that's not everyone can afford to send their kids to the lovely Halebury like you do. But Mate, settle down. It's another, another point settle for another down. day. Hey, let's find some winners. You've got to pay those school fees. <laughs> we now, need plenty. Have you watched any footy over the last couple of weeks? Because a lot of us have gone down memory lane and taken a look at some of the replays that some of the various footy channels have been showing and some of the games have been absolutely superb. Have you done any of that? Uh, I must admit, there's been a few Hawthorne matches pop on just when I'm ready to fall asleep. And you just flick, have, as you do with uh, the TV and the remote. And then you go, hang on, what? The Hawks are taking on the Bombers. What year is this? 97? Oh, hang on, I might be playing here. And then you find yourself 2 o'clock in the morning, you're still watching because you can't remember exactly what happens in most of the match anyway. Um, and then you're really critical of yourself as well especially sort of later in life when you go under the guidance of Alistair Clarkson. So you do things a bit differently, even the way that you run at someone to tackle, um, you know, and you're like, oh, I, I should have gone with a bit of an arc on that tackle because it would have forced him towards the boundary line. That way he wouldn't be able to come back inside me and then kick the ball long down and they got a goal, which we lost by a point. So you do become a bit critical of things and then you go, oh, hang on, that was good play. I was... I was actually involved there, and that was quite good play. But uh, back then, a very different style of footy through the 90s, more of a man-on-man style and just a work rate uh, was really, really crucial. But um, it's been quite good. And I've been trying to get the kids, wake them up. Come on, boys, wake up. Dad's on TV, but they don't care. So uh, it's just myself. <laughs> well, you're on TV most days and nights, so it's probably not a novelty to see their father light up the silver screen. How many games do you reckon you watched of yourself over the last two months? Oh, no, not that many. Uh, I would be honest. Three or more or two or less? Uh, I reckon maybe three maximum, yeah. 
there might have been a couple of matches there. There was the Adelaide, um, the Adelaide Hawks in 2007, um, first final at Etihad Stadium, and um, it was a good game because Adelaide jumped us, and then we worked our way back, and Buddy was on fire, kicked a great goal towards the end, so. That was a good match. I enjoyed that because I knew what was coming towards the end. I knew it was a great result for us. So moments like that when you reflect on, but as you're playing, you sort of don't remember a lot of stuff. You just, you're putting everything into it. Um, and then you just virtually move on to the next game, which back then we moved on to North Melbourne and the, uh, in the next final and we got wiped because we got ahead of ourselves. We had a young team, we were undisciplined and we did everything wrong. But what that did, that got us finely tuned and, and, Sharpen the edges for a, an assault in 208, which actually turned out okay because we won the flag against the Mighty Cats. But we learnt so much from the the final that we lost, not necessarily that we won. Um, and we made sure that we didn't get ourselves in that position again and didn't get ahead of ourselves in that position again. Bill Russell, the NBA superstar, had a photographic memory of his games. He could sit down, they oh show goodness. him a game of himself really? from any game throughout the course of his career, and he'd be able to basically commentate what was happening. It wasn't like that with you. When you were watching these games, was no. it almost surprising you play-by-play play, even when you were involved personally? Yeah. like, the, Well, I suppose as an, an on-baller, you, you're just running everywhere. And um, if, if you haven't got the footy, you're either chasing or you're trying to run to a certain space to try and get the footy or you're being smashed by the opposition – um, so no, you forget a lot of involvements where you might kick a goal or, or you, you have a hand in a goal or you can remember a tackle or whatever. But, um, a lot of the times, no, it's all like, Oh, what happens here? I think I kick a goal in this half at some stage, but you don't know exactly where, unless you've watched your tape 50,000 times, which I never used to do. I used to watch the highlights and go through and focus more on the, the negatives and where I went wrong rather than the uh, the good things that I used to do, whenever that was. <laughs> was that a Clarkson trait or a Crawford trait? Oh, no, you're always critical of yourself because you can always do better. There's so many moments through games where positioning could be better or your body work could be better, um, your handballs could be better, you could have run to space a bit better, um, you know, even going to tackle and – you know, why did I do that or why did I start to, to drift to one side when I should have been back? So I, I just think you become really critical and you want everything to be perfect, which obviously doesn't happen in a game of footy. Football's not perfect. A lot of your kicks aren't perfect. You're under a lot of pressure when you do have the footy anyway. So you just need to at least work with, am I kicking the ball and handballing the ball to advantage and giving my teammates a 65% chance, you know, rather than a 50-50 chance. There's been a lot of talk recently about the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, and the yes. sort of leader that Jordan was. It was a watch me, do like I do, and I won't tolerate anything less. <laughs> As a leader, what were you like? Um, I would lead by example, um, you know, from a training point of view and, and hopefully from a playing point of view, but that doesn't work in a footy club um, by actually coming in and saying you need to – do exactly like I do because you got to remember you've got 40 players on a list. Everyone's wired so differently. Um, a lot of players don't respond um, to the way that you would respond and a lot of players might not have the work ethic that that you might have. Um, so you sort of need to work with it and, and work out what, you know, makes each individual tick. You know, like Luke Hodge when he first came to the footy club – 
you know, he, he'd never worked hard in his life. So, um, so it was a real sort of, I think there was a lot of pressure on initially and um, luckily I'd been at the club for a while. So I had a fair understanding. Oh, hang on. We need to cuddle this guy, not push him and break him. Um, you know, it's the same with a lot of young key position players coming in. You need to just let them find their feet. You know, they're like a young giraffe just being born, trying to take the first few steps. And a lot of the young footballers are like that. But then you bring in someone like a Jordan Lewis who's, you know, tough and ready to go and, you know, he can tolerate a lot more and, um, you know, and physically can tolerate a bit more too. So you got to work out each individual. Um, I think that's a great thing about the football club. you got all different types. You know, you, you look at Richmond and Alex Rance is a different type, loves the hard training but loves to have fun. And, and then you got Trent Cochin who, you know, just head down, bum up. And then Dustin Martin who's got a different way, a very explosive way, but um, – you know, you can see that he needs to get away from a footy club as well. And, you know, so you just got to work out each individual and, and just try and um, get around them the best you possibly can. And and I think having really strong leadership groups, which they do these days, I think they're so instrumental in the, the club moving forward because you've got players in that leadership group who aren't afraid to look someone in the eye and, and say, no, we need more from you. And then you've got others who are prepared to put their arm around and say, it's okay, come on, I know what you're going through. And... I just think, um, you know, those leadership groups and the player, young players coming through, they can find someone in that group that they can identify with and then they can slowly work with them to, you know, chip away at all the, the deficiencies and hopefully come out the other side thriving, which most of them do. What was it like when you started your AFL career in 1993? Well, I walked in – well, I was drafted at the end of 1991. The Hawks just won the premiership, defeating the West Coast Eagles. Um, and so I went in as a young kid, still at school, just finished year 11. Um, that's when I was drafted. So I went down and I was still going to finish um, year 12 at school. So I said they wanted me to come down and live in Melbourne um, and finish school, maybe at Cary Grammar or, you know, one of the private schools. But I just started at Assumption College a couple of years early. I'd made new friends and I just I wanted to finish having a football year with them and I just felt that was probably the best for me. But I was able to come and do a lot of pre-season training and get a real feel of the club. But my first training night, um, we used to do lots of boxing and at the time we'd put the gloves on and we didn't have the bags. We had to punch each other. So you'd virtually have to stand there and for 30 seconds you, you have a partner and you hit each other in the chest you know, on the stomach, not too hard, but, you know, and you're standing there going, oh, oh, oh. So I had Andy Collins who was, um, they used to call Andy Serious Pills because he's a very serious man and that's the way he used to play. He used to um, just wrestle and fight and he'd throw everything out there, not only during games but also in training. So my first training night I had Andy Collins and I was boxing with. And so straight away I always got told, oh, really stand up for yourself um, and, you know, because AFL football is very different, sort of everyone's looking after themselves. It's not like, not like you know, school footy where everyone's right behind you. And I'm like, really? Surely not. So Andy Collins is obviously thinking, hang this young kid's come in. He's probably going to try and take my spot. So we're punching and then 30 seconds to go and then I'd have a go. But it was a really hot, you know, summer um, evening. And so everyone's so sweaty. So I'm throwing uppercuts, you know, sliding them through, and they're accidentally one hit him on the jaw. And I thought, oh. And you know when someone says to you, don't look, don't look when you're walking, and you have a look, right, at something. 
Well, it's the same with that. Don't hit him in the jaw. Don't hit him in the jaw. Don't hit him in the jaw. Bang. Hit him again. So twice. And he says, you do that again, I'm going to knock your head off. And I'm like, oh, gee, I hope the whistle goes. The whistle goes. And as the whistle goes, it slid up and I hit him in the jaw again. <laughs> so before I knew it, I was in the circle with all my new teammates, just Andy Collins and myself, and I'm fighting for my life. We're punching on. He's trying to knock my head off. And I'm trying to stand up for myself. Here I was, this year 11 student. And I'm like, don't give in. So I'm just I'm just throwing punches. He's throwing punches. And I'm thinking, what have I just walked into? My new football club. And um, a lot of the older players, Ray Jenke and, um, you know, Darren Jarman, at the end of it, they dragged me away and said, don't worry. He's like that with everyone. He just think he probably thinks you're going to take his spot. And that's just the way he is. He trains like that. He plays like that. And he didn't talk to me for a week, Andy Collins, after that. I'm like... Oh, my goodness. Welcome to the Hawthorne Football Club. But do you know what? From then on, I just thought, okay, just just get ready for it, you know, because it's going to be extremely challenging and, and you never know what's going to come at you. What were some of the legends of the club that were still very much involved in the team doing when that was taking part? Well, Jason Dunstall was laughing. Um, he's like, <laughs> welcome to the footy club. Um, you know, you have Gary Ayres just coming over and go, don't worry, that's just Colo, that's just the way he operates. Uh, Darren Jarman said, don't worry about all that, let's just get on with it. So all extremely supportive and they get around a young kid. And I think they were feeling for me because they're thinking, hang on, this poor kid who rocked in to Hawthorne training, school uniform, you know, Looks like he's never shaved and, and looks like he's way too young to be on an AFL list. And then the next thing, he's in a ring. <laughs> he's in a ring fighting for his life, trying to, trying to not get his head knocked off. Um, and then I think that just virtually got me prepared for AFL football. It's going to be tough. Stand on your own two feet, find a way through it. And if you really want to do it, hopefully you put everything into it and things work out well. Did you hold your own in the fight? I think I did, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a very good fighter. I'm like a, I really am like a spider in a web, just throwing arms and legs and all sorts of things. But, um, but do you know what? Andy Collins is a great man. He coaches Williamstown now. Um, I get along really well with him and, and we often have a bit of a laugh about it. But i tell you what, I definitely wanted to run out with him on my side, not on the opposition side, because you knew you, you just needed, and that's the thing I loved about it. And I remember having a punch on with Luke Hodge when I, um, maybe 2007, during a practice match. And I, I, I whacked him fair square right on that jaw. And then five minutes later, I'm giving him a hug. I'm saying, sorry, mate, I don't know why I did that. But I, I just loved that competitive side of things. And I wanted my teammates to have that real drive as well. So um, it was often good when you'd see a lot of players get frustrated and angry and, and totally lose the plot because it just showed you they cared and, um, and they're frustrated and they want to do well. 20 years later, how do you think it would fly if one of the recruits got in a punch-on in the first training session with one of the veteran players? And is that sort of stuff missing a little bit? Well, I still think it comes back at times um, during pre-season matches um, and intra-club matches. We just probably – we used to see it a fair bit every now and then. Um, is it Santa O'Helpen? Anyway, the uh, – Satanta, the Carlton. Satanta, yeah, uh, I called him Santa. He... <laughs> uh, but he – Remember when he took on Cloak and he yeah. wiped him out and then he gave a bit of a kick up the backside. So we've seen it happen uh, many times during training and I'm sure it still goes on. They probably just don't choose to uh, to show it and they can lock you out from a media point of view these days too. So I'm sure it still goes on. The players are really competitive. And with an older player taking on a young player, 
you know, probably be frowned upon a bit, but it's a good way of seeing what you got in a young man and it's a good way of testing him early. It's like, okay, I'll see if he stands up on his own two feet. And, and Jordan Lewis was good like that. You could go at him and he'd want to try and knock your head off. So it's like, oh, I reckon we've got a good one here. And they're the sort of blokes you want to go out on the field with. Yeah, absolutely. Won't take a backward step and prepared to, to take a challenge on no matter what's been thrown at them. Croft put away the board games. The AFL is back. And so is the tab same game multi where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Victoria, New South Wales and ACT tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help 1800 858 858. Hawthorne legend Lee Matthews said that he feels the best footy was in the late 90s, early noughties. He said the skills were elite, the athletes were elite, but the game wasn't overcoached. Would you disagree or agree with that after watching some recent replays? No, it was very very much man-on-man style type footy. You had to put your head over the footy, know that you're going to cop it. Um, you know, f- free-flowing, yes, obviously the defenders didn't have much help uh, whereas today's football, you know, it, it, it's, it really is like a, a school of fish, you know, and then as a player with a footy goes in one direction, that school opens up and makes it very hard for you to work through. So it really is a team defence, not only in the, in the defensive area, but through the middle of the ground, which skill level under pressure. One thing I admire about today's game is the, the decision-making under pressure and the skill level under pressure around the stoppages because, you know, you do have two or three players coming at you, but as you're being tackled to be able to kick the ball, handball the ball, make good decisions, um, you know, I think that's where, you know, footy's really gone to a whole new level. And um, and then a lot of the kicking these days is short, not like it used to be long, um, just trying to find that real usable option. Whereas back in our day, it was just get it and boot it forward and get front and square and, and just try and get to as many contests as you possibly could and, and try and get that ball forward. And in my case, get it to Jason Dunstall. Otherwise, he wouldn't be happy. Later in your career, buddy, Franklin. Yes, yeah. So a couple of half-decent forwards to play with. You didn't really answer the question. Hmm. Is footy better now? Was uh, it better in the late 90s and noughties? Or do you enjoy both? Well, I, I, I loved it back then because we'd have players kicking 100 goals every year and that's not going to happen ever again. Um, it's not going to happen ever again because of the way it's coached and the way we have team defence. And even the midfielders are pushing back and saturating defences. So it makes it very, very hard. And and you have a player, for example, like a Buddy Franklin or, you know, a few years ago, like a Nick Revolt, that are starting to get a bit of the footy and, and kick a few goals. And what happens there, a bit like the Bulldogs did against the Swans and, and Buddy Franklin when they won their premiership, is they said, Do you know what? We don't have one player we think can just wipe me out for the game, so we'll make sure we have three or four. As soon as the ball gets to ground, we'll just saturate him with opposition numbers and just not give them any space to, to work their magic. So I think back then seeing guys kick 100 goals, seeing obviously more goals uh, float through um, with freestyle play, it was an attractive way to play, but I do admire what the players can do these days and the work that needs to go into it. Throughout the course of your career, you would have had one opponent on match day or you were being tagged. Yep. It was one or the other. What did you enjoy more? 
Uh, I, I love the challenge of playing on the good players, like uh, you know, playing on someone like a Robert Harvey, running machine, who someone who you really admired. Um, you know, I love being able to play on the best player you you could possibly play on, or or if if the coach says, okay, you're going to play on a Chris Judd, or you're going to play on Ben Cousins, um, you're just going to take him on. I just want you to to win your spot by the end of the day, um, or you know. Play on James Hur. You know, I, I just love those challenges because, um, you know, I love it when people doubt you a bit. But it's also getting that confidence from the coach. Nah, you can take him on. Just take him on, you know. And and so um, you always had in your mind, just come on, work. It's it's about four quarters. It's not about one quarter. It's about those, you know, those players have great moments during games and it's almost impossible to keep them out of the games. But it's... It's like, okay, you're going to be judged on the four quarters. What effort compared to their effort and what do you bring to the team as well from a team point of view? So I loved all that. Tag is, it's annoying, you know, have someone follow you around. Imagine going to work and have someone follow you around, pushing. Back then you could push and punch a fair bit, elbow, kick, um, all sorts of things. Imagine that happening all day. But I used to, from a mindset, I'm like, okay, how do I – and I reckon – if I counted it up, I reckon maybe 100 to 130 times in that bracket there that I get tagged during a game. So I'm like, okay, how do I take what is a negative and try and turn it into a positive? So straight away I'd think, you know, what's a compliment? The coach and the coaching staff obviously rate me. They think they need to shut me out of the game. So straight away I'm like, okay, that's positive. And I'm thinking, who would I rather be? Would I rather be getting tagged or be – you know, the, the player who's being able to have a free licence to go for it. And you can have different type of taggers. Taggers can be really negating and so they just focus on blocking your every move and not actually getting the footy themselves. And then you have other taggers who will try and work with you, go everywhere but try and get the footy yourself. So um, the negating ones, you think, oh, okay, this is this is going to be a bit of a grind. But once again, it's that four-quarter effort and it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep moving. I'm going to make it really hard. His job is really, really tough. And that's where you've got to communicate to your ruckman. You've got to communicate to your your bigger type players, even your on-ballers. Hey, I, I need some, some blocks here. I need a bit of help. And you can't be the go-to player as much as you want to get the footy all the time. But, um, but you still obviously want to have some kind of involvement. So you really do need a chop out and you really need sort of a, a team focus that um, when they can – they make it very, very tough for the player, chasing that player. So um, it was always challenging. And there's nothing better than getting to the end of the match and going, do you know what? I couldn't have done any more. I've worked my absolute butt off and I've contributed it and we won. So it's quite a good feeling. Who was the tagger that gave you the most trouble? Oh, I'll tell you what, Kane Corns was a very good tagger. He's still uh, antagonising people. Yeah, he was a very good tagger because back then Port Adelaide were a good team. So they would actually take you on and and they had a, a good ploy where they'd actually use him all the time. So they'd deliberately, you know, um, they'd deliberately go through him and give him the footy to make you think, hang on, he's getting a bit of the footy. But he, he was a worker, but he had the ability to, to become a real shutdown, but then also take the handbrake off at times as well. So I thought he was, he was really good. Um, oh, look, there was so, Tony Liberatore, I, I got reported a few times, but, um, you know, he was he was always great at doing his job. And I, I really respected what he did. You know, he, he'd do any job for the team. And it's not that I didn't like them. Um, 
you know, it's just the way that he'd go about. Anthony Stevens would play negating roles at times, and I thought he was good, just a good country boy having a real crack. Uh, yeah, so there was. it's a tough job, though, being a tagger. Mentally, they've got to get themselves. And, and we had some really good run with. Brad Sewell was a real good run with player for us for a long, long time. Um, the great Tony Wards would always do a, a, a great job for us. So they're really, really important, even in today's footy, having players that can really do a shutdown job and and get themselves in the zone where they know they're not going to get much of the footy, but they're doing a job for the team. At the other end of the scale, you did go toe-to-toe with some of the absolute elite midfielders. Who was the one that, at the end of the day, you'd walk off thinking, gee, they probably did a bit more damage themselves with the pill than I would have liked? Uh, Robert Harvey was a freak. like, And he used to do, I don't know if people remember, but every game he used to get on his knees, you know, virtually stand with his knees, uh, hands on his knees, crouching over, the ball gets thrown in, then he runs off. You know, so um, he was just a worker and I had great respect for him because he was such a, an amazing and consistent player. Um, and he was, he was wonderful to watch and he was just, you know, he, he was just an awesome player to play on. I love playing on him. Um, and we, we, I remember playing on him at Waverley one day and I swear he ran 20Ks, I ran 20Ks and we, we worked so hard off each other and, um, and we virtually got to the end of the game, and the siren went. And we looked at each other, and we just <laughs> we just shook our heads. <laughs> going, what What are we trying to do to each other? Like we were literally we, we were both sick, you know. We virtually had to get teammates to try and carry each other <laughs> of us off, and it was just, you know, it, I think it was just respect. Let's run each other into the ground, and. Um, you know, and that's something I'll never forget. And never forget, oh, I, it's funny because my second last match was against St Kilda and it was his last match um, when we played him in a uh, prelim and we knocked him out. And uh, I remember going up and giving him a cuddle and saying, mate, unbelievable career and well done. And he just, we just had that amazing respect for each other and he just said, mate, win it next week. Come on, win it. You know, and he really wanted me and Hawthorne to win because – I think he just – there was a bit of respect there by the way that, you know, we, we went about it and how hard we trained. So um, that was always nice. So he'd probably have to be my number one. Absolute superstar. There's no doubt about that. Now, COVID-19 has been absolutely horrible across the globe and it's had big ramifications on footy departments. We're going to see a lot less coaches in the AFL box going forward, which is terrible whenever someone loses a job and there's going to be less opportunities in that space going forward. Do you see it having an impact on the way the game is played? Uh, not not really. I know a lot of people have been pretty negative um, when looking at it. Obviously, you know, not having as many coaches, but how many messages can you take from a coach? I suppose in the lead-up, just having more assistance around, you can focus on the majority of the group. Um, but, you know, it, it has been a sad situation of it all. You, you look at, you know, guys like Luke Ball and, I think Joel Corey, who was at the Bulldogs as well, like they're great people, uh, great football people, had great careers and, and doing well from a coaching point of view. You know, we sort of lost them to footy, you know, and if it's premature and only for a few months or it might be, who knows, they might go on and do something else and find a real passion and and we might have lost them forever. So um, the sooner we can get all those people back into footy, Buddha Hocking's another one who's been around, um, you know, footy for a long time. So... You know, the quicker we can get those type of people back in, um, in amongst it, which I think he's coming back into it pretty, pretty soon as well. Um, 
Yeah, so trying times, but I, I don't think footy will change too much. I think obviously the time, 16 minutes, um, that obviously changes from a scoring point of view, so you won't have as many goals. But 90 rotations, I don't think teams will use that many. Um, I really don't because I think what will happen, um, I think you can rotate and over-rotate. You can do it way too much and you can lose um, all balance with your side. And I think a lot of players these days want to really build into games and into quarters. So I, I've got a feeling there's going to be some sides out there who won't use those rotations as much as they have in the past because it's just about, okay, you've got 16 minutes, you're out here for the whole quarter, we're not rotating just work your opponent over when you need to, um, you know, run smart, pace yourself, get the rhythm of the game. And I don't know, I might be proven wrong because I'm sure there's some sides that will use as many rotations as possible, but I think there'll be some out there who won't. Do you think it'll lead to less congestion? Uh, well, it depends on the coaching because like if I'm coaching and I'm going against a good side and I know they're pretty good through the middle, I'm going to be putting as many numbers around the ball and and within a kick of that footy um, as I possibly can. So it's going to come down to the coaches. Uh, so I, I think the footy will be okay. I think um, it's a real sort of question mark at the moment from an injury point of view, fitness point of view. But you got to remember they started round one. So they were fit. They were ready to go. They've had a um, an off period, but none of them have been off. They've all been training. And topping up, you know, and and some who are a bit iffy for the start of the season, they've been able to, you know, gather a bit of momentum and get themselves ready. So fitness is not going to be an issue. They're probably going to be fitter than ever, to be honest. Um, it's just the impact stuff and, and how they tolerate that um, and how they back up. But I, I don't see it being much of an issue. I know a lot of people do and there's been a lot of talk around it all, but I really don't see it being an issue. I think the games will be free-flowing, but then it's going to come back to the coaching point of view of how much they shut the games down. And and don't worry, all the supporters will tell us when they think it's not flowing that well. Um, and I've got a feeling, unfortunately, as soon as games start, unlike the NRL, which have done a really good job and from the camera angles where you can really um, hone in on the ground and the players – uh, I just don't – I think we're going to have a lot of complaints because like round one, there was a lot of complaints about it. Oh, you know, it's just not the same without the supporters and our camera angles are very, very different the way that we shoot the footy and look at the footy and even if you put in all that canned laughter and, and crowd, um, it's it sort of doesn't work from a visual. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, it's going to be watch his space but – I'm just really looking forward to seeing some really good competitive footy again and um, can't wait for the players to get out there and and uh, get going. And at times this year it looked like we wouldn't even have a season. So if the worst we've got to put up with is no crowd, I think that's a very small you, price You watch this space. I guarantee you after round two there's going to be people ringing in complaining, ah, oh, it's no good. It's not what we thought it has. And there's been such a big build-up for it. So everyone's craving a bit of AFL footy who loves it. Um, it'll be an interesting space the, the following couple of weeks after games have started. Croft put away the board games. The AFL is back. And so is the Tab Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Victoria, New South Wales and ACT Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help 1-800-858-858.
Good to have footy back. And the big game Thursday, June 11 to start round two, a very much postponed round two, is Richmond up against Collingwood. The Tigers a slight favourite at this stage. What are your thoughts? Slight favourite or big favourite? Slight favourite, just over a goal. Uh, well, I think Collingwood are way over the odds. Um, Richmond, obviously, a great side, and, and what they did against the Blues. The Blues are in round one, fancied themselves against the Tigers. They thought they'd put in uh, a better effort than what they did, but the Tigers virtually got that game won within a quarter, and only good sides can do that. But um, Collingwood, you've got to remember, Collingwood destroyed the Dogs, and the Dogs, you know, everything you're hearing from the Kenner was things are going great, we're going really well, and they absolutely wiped them. Um, are these two sides the sides we're going to see in the grand final? I think it's going to be pretty close when you think about it. Collingwood have got great depth. Um, you know, they're, they're in the their sweet spot. Richmond, do they have the hunger? Looks like they do. Um, they've certainly got the ability. So I, I think this is a real toss of the coin. We're going to see an absolute beauty. Um, Dustin Martin's obviously the key. Who... You know, I think Crisp can go to him through the middle, you know, and play a bit of a negating type role. But down forward is always the issue, and that's what the Giants found in the grand final. Um, they just had no one that could play with him, uh, play on him, or go near him, which I was very surprised with. I thought they did, but they didn't. I think Collingwood have got a good team defence, and I think they've got a bit more flexibility down there with players that they can put through there. So, you know, that for me is a real key. Uh, I do. I still think Richmond could win, but I think Collingwood are over the odds. It sounds like, though, it's one of those games where you're not overly keen to step in to have a bet. There's going to be better betting opportunities in round two than Richmond-Collingwood. I think so. Anything you do like at this early stage? Well, I know I always keep coming back to my old mob, the Hawks, but I think they're way over the odds uh, against the Cats. Um, You know, the Cats weren't very convincing in round one. Um, Yes, they're at home. And they play that ground very differently to a lot of the other grounds. But the Hawks are pretty good. And the Hawks have got their experienced players going. You know, you Chad Wingard, um, Tom Scully, you know, Mitchell's had more of a grounding after having a hit out. So you've got players who are fit. And they haven't been fit for a long, long time. And then you've got, you know, some good youngsters coming in and then Patton down forward. So I think they're over the odds. Um, I, I think that's a bit of a line ball game. I think Carlton are over the odds against Melbourne. Melbourne um, are pretty short, but certainly aren't performing like a, a short team. Uh, Carlton did give themselves against a chance against Richmond, were terrible first quarter, but after that they played well. They uh, played some good footy, and they're quietly confident they can match with the Ds. So I think the D's are over the odds. So am I giving you great confidence? Not really, but I, I'm just looking at, okay, where's the value? Is the value having a something on the Blues, something on the Hawks? Uh, I, I'm convinced the Hawks will be right in this match right up until the final siren, whether or not they're good enough to win. I, I think they are. Um, but, you know, am I thinking with my heart or am, am I thinking with my head? But I've, I've analysed that match as much as I possibly could and I keep coming back to why can't the Hawks beat them? You don't have that crowd factor. Yes, the oval, but Clarkson, that's what he does. I guarantee you the uh, the oval at the Hawks at the moment is exactly like it is down at Geelong, and they'll be training heavily around that, making sure that they uh, know every area 
to zone and every area that they can run and, and create a bit of space. Hawthorne currently a $2.60 outsider and given an 11.5 start at Unbelievable the value. Unbelievable value. Like, you've got to th- – and uh, coming into this season, um, you'd rate Brisbane, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they wipe Brisbane at the MCG, okay? And I've spoken to uh, Brisbane coach, um, Chris Fagan, and he said, oh, we weren't too bad. We're okay. And I said, oh, the Hawks are pretty good. And he said, oh, just very well organised. And he said, you know, we had moments where – we could have been better, but, you know, he said Hawthorne are a good team. And, you know, I, I just think it was pretty convincing to do what they did. And sometimes when you do your form, you just got to look. Look at round one, look what happened. Yes, okay, a lot of clubs are going to want to, you know, respond from what happened, but there's been a lot of water under the bridge since round one. You know, it's been months. Um, so they've had to try and you know, bring with that uh, from the disappointment from round one and and try and carry that for a long time. And sometimes you can overthink things. Sometimes you can overdo things. So I just think it's a long time between matches if you hadn't have won um, during round one. And it may not have that effect like it does from week to week in a normal season um, with such a huge gap. Carlton, a $2.50 outsider against Melbourne. The D's, $1.53. The line for that one, 12 and a half points with the Blues, $1.80 if you want to take the two and a bit goals. Could you the take line. the D's at one fifty? No, not no, with stolen money. No, you couldn't money. possibly do that. No, you couldn't. And and can you take Geelong at what are they? Geelong are a dollar. Well, Geelong's a similar quote. Geelong's a dollar fifty. Really? And and coming off the form that they showed in round one, could you confidently back them? So you're going to get the same quote taking Brisbane to beat Fremantle into West Coast beating Gold Coast than you would on either of those two teams winning. I know what I'd much rather do if you're going to take something at about that dollar yeah, fifty quote. I, I think Brisbane's your certainty. I think if you have to pick a certainty out of all this, and if you're taking Geelong at a dollar fifty, you're taking Melbourne at a dollar fifty. It has to be Brisbane against Fremantle. It's in Brisbane. Um, you know, a lot of their group haven't travelled, haven't sort of, you know, during uh, the shutdown period. They've all been training similar ovals, same space. They've still been mixing, although being isolated. Um, I don't think they've been as interrupted as a lot of other teams. So I could – I'd be very confident with Brisbane winning um, and very confident they'll hit the ground running. Shane Crawford, it's been an absolute delight chatting to you. We're going to do it again each and every week. We're going to get all your tips for round two ahead of next week's podcast. Until then, stay safe, stay happy, and good luck with the homeschooling. Good to be back.